Okay, so today is the first Sunday of Lent. We've moved out of a season of ordinary time in the church calendar into a season of preparing. And I'm really excited by this because I love preparing. Whether it's for a trip or a day off or a party, I really get into preparing. Because not only do I like the process of preparing, I feel like that preparing really helps me enjoy and celebrate and savor life's events. So, as you imagine, by knowing that about me, you would know that I'm pretty would be pretty excited about this kickoff, a time where we celebrate Lent, which was what we call 40 days of faith around here, with a time of preparing by intentionally connecting with God and then looking to see what happens in our lives as a result. And it's really exciting time. And I found that For me, in order to really benefit from this intentional time, I have to be really intentional with my routine because I have routines. And if I don't incorporate something I really want to do into my routine, week after week goes by and I wake up on Monday and think, shoot, another week, and I didn't do what I really wanted to do. So here's typically what I do, just in case you're curious. My routine is to wake up in the morning, first thing, have a cup of coffee, actually have three cups of coffee, and read the New York Times, or more like skim the New York Times. I do the mini crossword and then go on to other things after that. And I like to do this in a leisurely way, so I wake up early to be able to do this. And really just enjoy my time. So during 40 days of faith, I adjust my routine a little bit. I still grab my coffee. And before I open the New York Times, I spend 5 to 10 minutes reading the daily passage and then writing in my journal for a little bit and talking to God and responding to him. That's it. And then I move on to the New York Times and my daily crossword puzzle. So this season, we're going to be doing something new that I'd like to ask you to incorporate in your routine, if you have one, or maybe you could make up a little routine. Each week, Monday through Friday, we're going to be posting a reading for the day. As a community, we're going to be reading the book of Mark a little chunk at a time. So Monday through Friday, you'll get a little notification on your River app if you have it. If not, we'll talk about that later. And you click on it, and you read the little portion of Scripture for the day. And then here's the really cool part. After that portion of Scripture, a fellow Riverite is going to have a one-paragraph response to the reading. Just what came to mind as they read it. And they're going to ask you, what do you think? And then you'll have the opportunity to comment on this post, to share your thoughts, to thank maybe the sheriff for sharing, or just to say, 
Yay, loving this time. Woohoo, whatever. I think what's really cool about this is it gives us an opportunity to connect with God on our own, but also to do something really wonderful, to connect with God through our community by sharing our thoughts and by hearing how other people are experiencing the season. And I think that's a really powerful one-two punch. So I invite you all to join with me on that as we start off and kick off this season today. So I'm actually going to read the first portion of Mark, our little chunk of the day for you right now. Today's portion, Mark 1, verses 1 through 20. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts, and wild honey. John announced, Someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw heaven splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Then the Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness, where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And once they left their nets and followed them. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. 
He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And now, here's Caroline. Good morning to see you all. So Sarah read for us today's passage. Um, What was your first reaction to the story or stories? Um, When I read the Bible, I often pay attention to my first reaction and then um, try to go deeper and think about why I might have that reaction and talk to God about it. Is there anything that stands out to me, grabs my attention, anything that's disturbing or confusing or surprising, anything that moves me or that I dislike? As I read uh, today's story, my first reaction is that there is so much happening so fast. We're only 20 verses into the first chapter of Mark. And already, John the Baptist has come on the scene and got um, arrested, ending his public ministry. Jesus is baptized. The heavens opened up. uh, And then he was tempted in the wilderness. He proclaimed the good news that the kingdom of God is near and called the first disciples, all in 20 verses. This is partly because Mark is a short book, which is uh, it's the shortest of uh, the four Gospels, which is why we're reading it together. It's also probably the oldest um, among Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four books in the Bible that cover the story of Jesus' life. But also, the sense of urgency and the movement that we feel in the very first part of the book seems intentional. The words immediately and at once are used a lot throughout the whole book. Uh, The author wants us to feel that something big, something new is happening. It's coming. Be prepared. The book begins with a seemingly innocent declaration. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark 1, 1. In NRSV version, the translation says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, letting us know what the book is going to be about. But with a little bit of background information, we realize that this is not just sort of innocent um, introduction. This is a big claim fighting words in a way because the Roman Empire has used a very similar phrase to talk about Caesar's birth. An inscription written in 9 BCE before Christ calls Augustus God and Savior and declares that Augustus' birthday has been for the whole world the beginning of good news concerning him. I think the author of the Book of Mark deliberately used the same phrase as the Roman propaganda to challenge it, 
to position Jesus and his kingdom opposite to that of the Roman Empire. And the imperialism that promises order, justice, peace by violence and dominance. And it's not just that um, that Jesus is the king, not August, um, Augustus, and where the real authority belongs, but also as to the foundation of uh, its values and the vision, where the kingdom stands and what it stands for. So the beginning sentence hints that what we assumed about the world and the power dynamic about who God is about what God's kingdom is like will be challenged as we read more about Jesus and get to know him. It is something to remember as we read the book together. With this declaration, story moves fast. John the Baptist, who represents the old, quickly gives way to Jesus. Jesus is baptized, and the heavens split open, and the Holy Spirit descends on him. This is a powerful and very symbolic scene, the heavenly realm entering into the earth, the divine world invading the created world. And now there's a connection between the heaven and the earth and the flow between them. So naturally, or supernaturally, things start to move and shift is there a drawing, the first one? Yes. So the Holy Spirit entering into uh, the created world. So once it entered into, the things start to move and shift. The blurring of the old lines and something new is created, expanding people's understanding of God and who we are in God, gradually changing everything the process, I believe, that is still happening. And Jesus says, to go with that, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the good news. Repent means turn around. So really, more accurately, it means turn around and trust. Jesus is saying a new season is here. A new vision is here. New life is here for you. So turn toward God and this good news and expect to be surprised. That's why we're calling the series Surprised by Jesus. And I love what happens next. The very first thing that Jesus does after announcing the good news of the kingdom of God is to go find people who will follow and, ex- and experience it with him. He personally invites people to join in. He calls to people at once. Come follow me and you will be surprised. And they follow him at once, leaving everything, families, jobs, inheritance, the certainty of what they have. 
They leave it all in hopes for something more. They follow Jesus because they want to be surprised with more in life. We can relate to that, can we? Well, they they want to be surprised, and then they don't want to be surprised at the same time. As we will see reading through the book of Mark, the disciples say yes to the new things, yes to the Messiah, the surprises from God, but then at every step they resist surprises. They want Jesus to be big and powerful and give them a new world. And be just like the way they expected him to be. They want him to be manageable. Doesn't that also sound so human and sound just like us? We are the disciples in the story. The invitation of Jesus to join him in his adventure and be surprised is not just for the disciples in the book. I feel that the living Jesus, not just the Jesus from the story or Jesus of the story, but the living Jesus is reaching out to us across place and time and asking us here and now, do you want to come too? Do you want to be surprised? Will we say yes? Because what is the point of interacting and believing in a God who is bigger than us if we don't want to be surprised? If we insist on what we know and what we feel comfortable with? And what is the point of following a God, following a God who won't surprise us or who can't surprise us? Who will be just as we expected him, expect him to be? Being willing to be surprised by Jesus is really about making room for him in us, in our life, in our expectation, in our vision, in our understanding of who God might be, who we are. And we need to make room for Jesus if we want him to open our eyes to see more, expand our hearts to love more, and transform our life to include more, more of him and more of others, more of this world. Are we willing to be surprised? Are we willing to be changed? I want to be able to say yes, and I hope you do too, because we want this Lenten season, this year's 40 Days of Faith, to be about making room for Jesus and being surprised by him. And we want to do it together because it's just more enjoyable that way and it's more doable that way. So my first practical suggestion this morning for the season is to read the book of Mark with us. It will take about 10 to 15 minutes a day, five days a week, And within six weeks, we will finish the book of Mark together. 
We want to do this in a way, as a way of engaging with Jesus and making room for him in us so we become more and more open to being surprised by him. But here, I want to talk a little bit about the Bible because the topic of the Bible can stir up strong feelings in us depending on our backgrounds. Some of us have been hurt by those who use the Bible as a weapon to judge others. Some of us feel um, that it is out of date and irrelevant. Some of us feel conflicted by some parts of the Bible. Some of us feel like I don't know how to read the Bible and receive from it. So what are we trying to achieve by reading the Bible together? Is there a common ground on how to view and approach the Bible? Well, the Bible is an old book. It is written long, long time ago by many different people with their own different purposes in languages that we don't speak. There goes the clarity, right? Because as Peter Enns, the the a theologian, puts, in, uh, puts it, the Bible is ancient, ambiguous, and diverse. And I feel like that's a really sus a good way to put it. I think that is a good common ground for us to stand on. So the Bible is ancient, ambiguous, and diverse, and far from being clear. So the stories in the Bible are bound by their time, the geography, and the culture, among other things. Also, they're influenced by the authors, by the human authors, and the characters in the Bible, in the stories. Their experiences, their backgrounds, their theologies, and understanding of the world. So that's where the Bible and we, the readers, are also bound by our own time, geography, our own culture, our own backgrounds, our personal experiences. We are biased and have huge blind spots, every one of us. So you see, it's not a simple process, reading and understanding what the Bible and the stories might mean for us. Some think it is nevertheless inspired by the Holy Spirit in a way that it has no errors and that it is the final authority in all matters of faith and morals for us who live here and now. Some think it is completely out of date and irrelevant to us today, harmful even. Many of us think it is probably somewhere in between, but haven't really given much thought to it. Well, I don't want to tell you what to believe, because what do I know? But I do have a few thoughts about a common ground for us as a community as we enter into this experiment of reading this together in the hopes that it will be a life-giving experience for us. So the first thought is that the Bible is the story 
of the people who were in relationship with the living God. And though it is written by flawed people bound by their existence and their understanding of God and the world was far from being perfect, God was present with them and interacted with them, I believe. And something of God breaks through in the stories. If the stories are influenced by the human characters' imperfection, it seems only reasonable to think that they are also influenced by God. Second, God is bigger than the story, bigger, way bigger than the Bible. We read these, read these stories so we can enter into them and meet the living God through them. Not necessarily the God described in the story, but the living God who can interact with us now. They're like a playground, a garden where we meet God. We converse with God as we read the stories, argue with God, disagree with what it says. I guess it's kind of like a book club with God. God is not bound by these stories. We don't read the Bible because it is perfectly true or not true, but because we believe that God, who is alive and involved, is more than willing to interact with us through these stories now and speak to us. We don't need to believe or agree with everything in the Bible to be able to receive from it. Let me say that one more time. We don't need to believe or agree with everything in the Bible to be able to receive from it. We just need to be willing to engage with God through the stories. And I really, really believe that we will be surprised by God and God's love as we engage with the stories during the season, regardless of our feelings about the Bible at the moment. So please download the River app if you haven't yet and read the book of Mark with us for the next six weeks. It starts tomorrow. So tomorrow you'll be able to open the app and see the day's reading. And as Sarah talked about, some of us... um, Somebody from us, uh, from our congregation, um, uh, one paragraph um, writing of how, what their first response or first reaction to the story might be. Um, There's also a family guide in the River app that you can read together with your with kids if you have kids at home. Don't be afraid of challenging the stories as you read but also let the stories challenge you. My second practical suggestion is to ask Jesus to surprise you. During, the, uh, during Lenten season, we often pray for a big ask at the river. A big ask is something that we'd like God to, from God to do for us, something that we cannot do for ourselves. This year, our big ask is for God to give us a breakthrough 
in an area that we want to um, concentrate on. This might be um, some, something miraculous, or it might be God showing us an unexpected perspective, a different way to look at a situation, or an unex- unexpected open doors outside of box resolution. We're asking God to surprise us in ways that God chooses to, not what we choose. So, is there an area in your life that you wish were different but don't have power to change that you want to pray about and pray for during this 40 days? It could, it, it could be that there are challenges and pains in some areas of your life or that you're frustrated that there isn't more than what it is now or that you feel stuck in some ways. Where could you most use God's help? So I'm going to give ourselves a few minutes so that you can maybe start thinking about what that might be for you. So it's something like this. We're going to be praying for this for 40 days, something like, I need your help with this blank. Surprise me, Jesus. So how would you fill in this blank? Let's take uh, two minutes to think about that. My third suggestion is to mark the season by doing something like fasting or maybe having an object around that will remind you that you are in a special season. Fasting has been a central element of Lent over the centuries. People often give up sweets or coffee or alcohol, meat on Fridays, TV, something that you will miss. Not something that you won't miss, but something that that you will miss. It is important to do it with the right mindset. Fasting does not make us more righteous or spiritual. Rather, I find it a very helpful way to remember the special season that we're in. Because whenever we miss that thing that we're fasting from, we'll remember that we're making room for Jesus and that we're in a different season that we're praying for Jesus to surprise us so that's the plan for 40 days of faith at the river this year that's what we want to do together during the season let's do this together let's say yes to Jesus' invitation to follow and surprised by him. Let's gather together regularly, read the Bible together, share with each other, and pray together for the next 40 days in anticipation that Jesus will surprise us in some ways. Let's pray right now together, if you will. Surprise me today, Jesus. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for being here with us, that you are bigger than a book. You're bigger than us. We're bigger than our lives. You're, but you uh, are still here with us, present with us. 
Help us make room for you during this 40 days. Come and surprise us, Jesus. Surprise us with joy, with beauty, with boundless love that you have for us. Surprise us with new vision, new heart, and breakthroughs. Surprise us with strength to go on, with healing, with restoration. And surprise us with what you choose to surprise us with. We thank you and we invite you in to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.